praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. How many want the rain? Hallelujah, the rain of God's Spirit to fall. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, worship team. Thank you so much for leading us tonight. Amen. 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 Well, praise God. Good to see you all at church this evening. Wednesday night service. Um, don't forget church Sunday at um, <laughs> Sunday Sunday school nine thirty for the senior adults and everybody else nine forty five church services ten thirty Sunday morning six o'clock Sunday night we're looking for how many's going to pray for our services Sunday yeah. pray for church Amen Amen so remember those services. And uh, be praying for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Um, tonight we're going to get back into our study. Um, uh, the messages we've been bringing, the lessons we've been bringing the last three Wednesday nights on the bait of Satan. On the bait of Satan, which is offense. And we've been dealing with that and uh, teaching along those lines. I probably shouldn't have gave a preview uh, of what we were going to talk about tonight, maybe more people would have came. But anyway, we're going to we're going to talk tonight about about spiritual vagabonds, spiritual vagabonds. We're going to talk about also that churches are not cafeterias. How many know that? Yes. All right. But uh, in the Gospel of Luke, we've been using Luke chapter seventeen and verse one. Uh, where Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. It is impossible that no offenses should come. What does he mean by that? He means that get ready because offenses will come and you will have the opportunity to be offended at some point, some time in your life. How many have found that to be a fact and, a, and the truth? Um, Jesus also said the same thing in Matthew 18 and 7. He said, Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. There he said that they must come. Offenses must come, but woe be to that man by whom offenses come. So that's what we're talking about and how important it is for us not to be caught in the trap of offense of being, allowing ourselves to be off, offended, to take offense, and um, to find ourselves in a place of unforgiveness, of bitterness, uh, strife, contention, all those kinds of things that come with being offended. And we're all going to come to that place where we have the opportunity to have our feelings hurt or to be hurt or to be offended but we've got to learn how to overcome that and uh, not let that take a, a hold, get a hold in our life. Now last week in our, in our lesson last Wednesday night, we saw how David was mistreated by the man that 
he looked up to and hoped that he had hoped would be a mentor and a spiritual father to him, which was Saul. You remember that story. And how that Saul uh, became jealous of David and sought to kill him. Instead of being the leader and the mentor and the spiritual father that David had anticipated and expected Saul to be, Saul set out to destroy David's life. And David had to run. He was on the run. I mean, he was, he was, he was, um, he was hiding out, running for his life. But David, in, even in the face of that, David refused to raise his hand against the one who sought to take his life. Even though God had, uh, on two occasions, given David the opportunity to kill Saul, on one opportunity, one time he even, even put Saul's army into a deep sleep, and David's friend Abishai pleaded with David and gave him permission to go ahead and kill Saul, but David still refused to do that. God wanted to see, and I believe sometimes God will allow us to be in those situations to see how we are going to react and what we're going to do. You know, everything is a test. Can I get an amen? amen. And God wanted to see, I believe, if David would kill to establish his kingdom or if David would allow God to establish his throne in righteousness. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, it says, Paul said, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And we need, to, we need to make sure we get a hold of that verse in our lives. Amen. Do not avenge yourself. In other words, don't take it into your own power to get vengeance on somebody. But you need to give place to wrath. Put it in the hands of God because vengeance belongs to the Lord and He will take care of the situation. Now, it is righteous for God to avenge His service, servants. It's righteous for God to do that. He can avenge His servants. But it is because He's God. Come on, amen. He's the righteous judge. But it is unrighteous for God's servants to take vengeance into their own hands and avenge themselves. That is wrong and the Bible teaches against us. So it's, you know, it's much easier when we take matters into our own hands rather than waiting on, on a righteous God, but yet that's not God's way. And so many times we want to get even ourselves because we were talking about this last Wednesday night, some folks and, and myself after the service, we want to we take it into our own, own hands because we feel like God takes too long. He doesn't, he, doesn't get, he doesn't do it as quickly as we think that he ought to. And, uh, but we got to just leave it in the hands of God. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, tonight we want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, and, and with, with that same thought of, of, um, of Saul and David, the question arises that how can God use uh, leaders that are corrupt? And there are times that we run into that situation where leaders, um, you know, that we have over us, whether it be in a church, whatever the case, <laughs> but leaders can, can be corrupt. And many people ask the question, well, you know, why does God put people under leaders who make serious mistakes? And number one, one is this, I don't know any leader 
who doesn't make mistakes at some time or another. Sometimes maybe some are worse than others, but if you look in the, in the Old Testament, in the life of the childhood of Samuel, how many remember the life of Samuel? And when Samuel, you know, he was an answer to prayer. Hannah, his, his mother, had prayed for a child. and God answered prayer and gave Samuel to her, and she had promised to give him to the Lord, to lend him to the Lord, and she did do that. And Samuel was placed as a child, as a young child, he was placed under the authority of a priest by the name of Eli. And Eli had two sons. Are you all familiar with the story? And Eli had two sons who were very wicked and very corrupt. Amen? I mean, they took, <coughs> excuse me, they took the offerings of the people by force. Um, they stole from the people the offerings that didn't belong to them. And they were even guilty. Eli's sons were even guilty of committing fornication, committing uh, sexual immorality with the women there at the door of the tabernacle. I mean, it was a, listen, it was a bad situation there in Israel during the time that, that Samuel was coming up in the tabernacle there with Eli there at Shiloh. Now, can you imagine? And here was the thing about Eli. He's the spiritual leader in that situation. And what God finally dealt with Eli about was that he didn't correct his sons. He knew they were doing evil. He knew they were wrong. But he didn't do anything to stop it or correct it. He allowed it to go on. And can you imagine serving a minister who lived that kind of a compromising lifestyle? I mean, most of us would have been out of there lickety-split. You know, we wouldn't have had anything to done to that. Uh, most Christians today would have been offended by that situation. And I'm not, I'm not um, up here tonight to defend Eli or his sons uh, at all because what they did was wrong. We're not, we're, not, we're not condoning their actions at all. It was wrong. But most Christians would have been offended and uh, went out and searched for another church and would have went out and told everybody about the wickedness of uh, lifestyle of their former pastor and how he wasn't just no good at all. Amen? And, uh, but in the midst of the corruption that was going on there, in Shiloh, uh, this is the report of what the young child Samuel did. It said, now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. This was a time, listen, as I said, it was a dark time in Israel. And this was a time when the lamp of God was about to go out in the temple of God. You read that in those passages of Scripture in, in 1 Samuel. The word of the Lord was rare in those days, the Bible said. There wasn't any open vision, so there wasn't, they weren't receiving any words from God. Things were just really on a, on, 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 a, on a spiritual low. It was a dry time for the people of God and for Israel. But yet the Bible says that Samuel continued to minister before the Lord there uh, under Eli. He didn't go to another place to worship. He didn't go to the elders and expose the sins of Eli. Not at that particular time because God had placed Samuel there and Samuel was there ministering to the Lord and before the Lord and it was not, he was not, Samuel was not responsible for Eli or Eli's sons. Are you, are you with me tonight? He wasn't responsible. He knew that Eli was a servant of God 
And um, he knew also that God was well able and capable of dealing with Eli because Eli was God's servant. God was going to deal with, him, deal with him. And Samuel served God and served God's appointed minister the best he could without judging or correcting him until he got a word from the Lord to give to Eli. And Samuel did. You remember the story. We won't go into it, but remember the story that, that, that young Samuel heard, heard the Lord's voice calling Samuel, Samuel. And he ran into Eli and said, what do you want? I heard you calling. And he said, I didn't call you. Go lay back down. Go back to sleep. And uh, he heard his name called again. And he went to Eli and he said, at the third time when that happened, Eli finally said, the Lord's trying to talk to you. The next time you hear that voice, you say, speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. I think that's, some, that's a prayer we all need to pray. Amen. Speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. And when he did, God gave Samuel a message to give to Eli. And uh, it was a word of correction that God gave to him. And he gave it. Samuel did give it to him at the proper time when Eli inquired of Samuel about what the Lord said. Then Samuel gave Eli a word of correction from the Lord. But I want you to notice something about that, and that is that Samuel gave it to Eli personally and not to anybody else. He didn't go around telling everybody else, well, this is what Eli's doing and this is what God's going to do to him. He gave that word directly and personally to Eli and said, this is what the Lord has said um, concerning you. And he gave him that word of correction and it was, it was a heavy word. It was heavy tidings. It wasn't, it wasn't a pleasant thing to hear, but nevertheless he did it. Now, if we could get a hold of these truths here tonight... Churches would be a different place. And, and, and we, we need to understand something here this evening, uh, and that is this. And, and, and this, is what, this is what's so important. And that is that churches are not cafeterias. Uh, what do you mean we're not supposed to bring anything in here to eat? Well, we don't want you doing that either, but... That's not what I'm talking about. Churches are not cafeterias. In other words, a caf how many knows what a cafeteria is? You go down through, the, through there and there's all kinds of different, uh, different things to eat down there and you tell them, well, I want some of this and some of that and you just kind of pick out, you pick, and, you pick and choose what you want, amen, and you don't just eat what they give you. Come on, somebody. <laughs> amen. But listen, listen, listen. We're, we're, we're living in a day. I've never seen anything like it. I'm going to just talk to you from my heart too tonight because we're living in a day and we're living in a time when people leave churches so quickly if they see something wrong in the church or something wrong with the leadership, they're so quick to just become offended with the situation and take off and they're gone. Now, is that right or is that wrong? Is there, a, is there maybe a time that God would move you from one church to another? Yes, there is. But I really believe 
them. We're going to get into this a little bit that, that most of the time when people are leaving, it's not because the Lord's moving them, but it's because they have become offended with something that they didn't like that was going on in that church. Now again, I'm not condoning any kind of sin, especially in the leadership of a church. I'm not condoning any kind of false doctrine being propagated from a pulpit. I mean, you know, we've all got to seek the Lord and be led by the Spirit of the Lord. How many knows that? And I don't, I don't um, recommend anybody staying in a church where, the, where, the, where, there's, where there's heresy coming from the pulpit. Amen. You you can have a meeting with that pastor and talk to that pastor about the false doctrine and show him from the Bible where he's wrong. But do it personally. Don't go around to everybody else. Amen. Do it between you and him and see if you can work things out. And then there may come a time then you have to leave if if he's not willing to change, if there's something immoral going on, that kind of thing. But there's in in any and all of those situations... We have to be led by the Holy Spirit in all those areas and be be directed by the Holy Spirit. But so many times people find something they don't like. They may not like the way the pastor receives the offerings. They may not like the way the money is being spent in the church. Uh, They may not like the way the preacher preaches or, 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 or his style. They don't, maybe he doesn't visit enough and he hadn't been, you know, to visit me. I told you about the lady years ago who was pastor another church and, um, uh, she, she had missed a few Sundays and she came and I told her, I said, we've been missing you. Well, I've been in the hospital and you didn't come to see me. I said, I don't have, I'm not a mind reader. Amen. I quoted the scripture to her. Is any sick among you? Let them call for the elder of the church. And she didn't come back anymore after that. People leave because of the style of music. We've experienced that in the 16 years we've been here. People leave because the services maybe are too lively or maybe they're too dead. I'll say this, I'd rather them be too lively as too dead anytime. Glory to God, amen? I'll take a little wildfire at any time as to, as, to have, as to have no fire at all. Give me some fire of the Holy Ghost. But the list is endless on why people get offended and leave church. But nevertheless, they something they don't like and so they'll leave and they'll run to where there seems to be no conflict, find another place to go where everything is perfect. <laughs> we got now, we got, we got the perfect church, we got the perfect pastor, we got the perfect music. I mean, that's their, that's their thinking, you know. I've, I've left over there and now I've, I'm at the perfect church. Let me tell you something. I hate to bust anybody's bubble, but there are no perfect pastors. No perfect churches. You know who the only perfect pastor is? Is Jesus. Amen. He's the perfect pastor. Every other pastor is an under-shepherd under the Lord Jesus Christ. And every other pastor is prone to failures and prone to mistakes. And this pastor may not always do everything the way you think that I ought to do. But I think we can work things out. Come on, somebody. So... 
they take off. So here's the, here's the question. Why? Why do we run from difficulties instead of facing them and working through them? Let me ask that again. Why do we run away from difficulties? And listen, there's going to be conflict within the church. God doesn't want there to be, but that's why Jesus taught us how to handle conflict and how to deal with one another in conflict and, and, and talk to one another and talk things out and forgive one another. That's why, that's why those things are in the Bible, so we can, we can deal with that conflict. So, but why are we so quick to run away instead of facing those situations and working through them? But no, instead people run off and they go from church to church to church looking for that perfect church and looking for that flawless leadership that does not exist. And I told somebody recently, a few months ago, I said, you, you know, I told them, they, they was in this very situation. And I told them, I said, you know, you, 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 you've been to so many churches. And I said, you go until you're offended. And then you leave mad and leave offended. And you take that offense to the next church. And everything's this okay until, until something doesn't go your way at that church. And it will happen. And then you're offended there. And then you go to another one. And it's, it's, it's just a never-ending cycle. Boy, it's quiet here tonight. Praise God. Listen to me. Listen to me. There is a right way to leave a church and there is a wrong way to leave a church. I, I printed up a bunch of these. I, they're all gone out there. So I guess people have been taking them and they have been, I hope they've been reading them. But uh, uh, it's a little pamphlet written by a, a pastor, friend of mine, that uh, pastors uh, a church in Scott City. And uh, he wrote this little uh, brochure called Joining and Leaving Churches. He's got some good, good points in there and good advice. Why not to leave a church and then when it's time to move on and some practical tips on leaving a church. And we don't want anybody to leave, ever leave Abundant Life. We want you to stay. But, but, but if there's a time the Lord is moving you, then do it in the right way and in the right spirit. And let's, let's do it the right way. Amen? Amen. So there, if it does become necessary that, that uh, someone has to leave a church and feels they need to, then there's a right way to do it. And I want to read you a verse. I think they'll put it up there in Isaiah 55, 12. And this verse gives us the right, gives us the right way to leave a church or a ministry if we feel that the Lord's directing us to do so. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. Do you see that? For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. But do you know that most people that leave churches do not leave that way? Most of the time, there are a few, and we've, we've had some here at Abundant Life that have left that way. They've come to us, they've done it right, and they've left, and we've sent them off to minister with our blessing upon their life. That's the way to go out with joy and to go out with peace. Not to go out mad, not to go out angry, not to go out fussing and cussing and bucking and jumping, but to go out with the joy of the Lord and the peace of God. Come on, somebody. Most leave offended. 
And that's what we're dealing with. They think that churches are like cafeterias. That they can just pick and choose what they like and leave what they don't like. They feel the freedom to stay as long as there's no problems. Which again, that situation does not exist. But can I, here, let me just drop this big bombshell on everybody tonight. You are not the one who chooses where you are to go to church. God is the one who is to choose where you go to church. That's God's place. I've, I've said it before, you know, there used to be years ago a commercial, it was on TV, on radio, said, you know, this Sunday, you don't, of course, you don't see any commercials today encouraging people to go to church, but there used to be a commercial, on, you know, that said, this Sunday, be sure and, and attend the church of your choice. And Brother Shambach used to always say, don't attend the church of your choice because your choice may not be God's choice. You need to pray and get direction and attend the church that God desires for you to attend. Do you agree with that? So God's the one that chooses where we are to go to church. The Bible does not say, listen to me, the Bible does not say God has set the members in the body just as they please. That's not what the Scripture says. But 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says this, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. So what does that tell us? That tells us that God is the one that sets the members in the body, in the body church universal, but also in the local church. It's God who places people there. I'm always praying for people that God has ordained and wills and desires and, and wants to be a part of Abundant Life Family Church that God would bring them here and plant them here at Abundant Life Family Church. Because I know there are people, listen, God never raises up a church or a ministry just to sit idle or to sit vacant. God has raised up a church and a ministry for there to, to minister to people that He wants to be planted in that local church and in that local body. And there's people out here tonight that God has chosen, called, and ordained to be a part of Abundant Life Family Church. He plants them as He wills and as He desires. Amen? And anytime somebody new comes to this church, I always tell them, I don't try to coerce them to be here or to stay here, but I always tell them, you pray. If they're looking for a church, I say, you pray and you listen to the Lord. And if God speaks to you, you're more than welcome. We want you to come and be a part of this ministry. But you don't choose where you go. God chooses where you go. Can I get an amen? Amen. Woo! But let me tell you this. If you are in the place God wants you, how many of y'all believe y'all are? That's why you're here tonight. Amen? If you are in the place that God wants you to be and He has planted and placed you, the devil will try to offend you to get you out of the place where God has placed you. Mmm, hallelujah. Now that's good preaching right there. 
we're getting a little of the meat of the word tonight. Amen. When we pulled we pulled a nipple out of your mouth tonight. We're giving you some <laughs> solid food. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. But if you're in the place God wants you to be, the devil will do everything he can to try to offend you in some way, to point something out to you, to get you dissatisfied, to get you out of the will of God. He wants to uproot men and women from the place God's planted them. That is the plan and the scheme of the enemy, to uproot people from the place God has sent them and planted them. And if he can get you out, of that place that God has planted you, Satan then has been successful. And offense is what he uses biggest part of the time to get that job done. But let me tell you something. If you won't budge, and you, even in the midst of conflict, you won't budge, then you've spoiled and foiled the plan of the devil. If, you've, if you know, and you've got to know the voice of God, you've got to know the leading of the Holy Ghost. To know where God is telling you to do and what He's, he's directing you to do. And I, and, you know, and I know that the majority, should I say that or not? Probably the majority of people that leave know they're not in the will of God because they won't even come to me and tell me they're leaving or why they're leaving. If God was moving them, I can live with that. But if they're mad at me, tell me. I can live with that too. <laughs> Boy, it's quiet tonight, ain't it? <laughs> Amen. But listen, when you're out of the will of God, and if Satan can get you out of the will of God by getting you out of the church where God has planted you to be, if you're out of the will of God, then you'll not be a blessing and you'll not be a help to any church our ministry, if you're there and you're not there in the will of God. Am I making any sense tonight? That's the truth. You know, Abundant Life Family Church, this, is, this church is not your covering. I've heard preachers say that, well, you know, this church is your covering, and if you get out of this church, you're out from under your covering. You know who my covering is and who your covering is? Your covering is Jesus. Amen. Not any church or any ministry or any pastor is not your covering. But I will say this, if it's God's will for you to be in a specific church and you're out of that church and you're out of the will of God, then you can't be a blessing. You can't get blessed or you can't be a blessing to that church. You'll wind up being a hindrance to that church instead of a blessing. Amen? Hallelujah. So we need to make sure we're being led by the Spirit of God. And if God's not saying anything to you, then He's, you know what that's telling me and what it should be saying to you? If God's not saying anything, He's probably just saying, that's Him saying, stay right where you are and don't change a thing. I've got you right where I want you to be. Amen? Amen. Now listen, what time is it? I don't know. The planted, listen, those who are planted. Look with me at Psalm 92, 13. Those who are planted flourish. Mm-hmm. Psalm 92, 13 says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, are you listening to this? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. So those who are planted flourish. Those who flourish, 
What does it mean to flourish, to be fruitful? You know, a tree, a fruit tree that's flourishing is just loaded down with fruit. And, and, and you know, it's just, it's just a beautiful thing. And so a, when you are planted where God wants you to be in the house of God, then you're going to flourish. But what happens to a plant? What happens to a plant? And I don't know that much about plants and stuff. But, uh, you know, I have ne never done any gardening or anything like that. Tried to raise some tomatoes in some five-gallon buckets one time. That didn't work out too good. But what happens to a plant if you try to transplant it about every three weeks? You're digging it up and moving it here and planting it. And then about two weeks later, you dig it up and you move it over here and plant it. You try to do that with a tree. Try to do that with a, with a young tree or a sapling. Well, you know what? Yeah, you'll destroy it, won't you? It won't grow. The root system on that plant or on that tree will diminish and it will not blossom and it will not prosper and it'll wind up being unhealthy and eventually die. So if you keep transplanting that tree, it will eventually die of shock. But the same thing goes for us in the spiritual realm. Many go from church to church, from ministry team to ministry team, trying to develop their ministry. But listen, if God puts them in a place where they're, where, where, where they're not recognized, where they're not encouraged, then they become easily offended there, and they move on to the next place. If they don't agree with the way something is done, they're offended, and they move on to the next place. And then they leave blaming the leadership in that church. Every time somebody comes here from another church and immediately starts criticizing their former pastor to me, you know what I always say? Look out, Hensley, you're next. Because if they do that about where they came from, they'll do it about me when they leave here. Amen. You saw that thing on Facebook where the Pirates of the Caribbean, he's running from all those natives and said, be a pastor. It'll be fun. <laughs> Amen. Woo, hallelujah. I got to hurry up here. David made a connection. Now, I want you to notice this. I'm going to get my clock here. So we. David made a connection because I'm going somewhere here. I, wanna, I want you to get. David made a connection between offense between the law of God, the Word of God, and between spirit and spiritual growth. They're all connected. Offense, the Word of God, and spiritual growth are all connected. And in Psalm chapter 1, Psalm 1, as everybody knows this psalm, but he said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands in the way of the sinner. You know all that. Sits in the seat of the scornful. But it says that his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. So David's talking about a man or a woman that loves the Word of God and meditates in the Word of God. And then in Psalm 119 he says this, Great peace have they. 119, 165, Great peace have they which love your law, and listen to this, and nothing shall offend them. Ooh. He said, Psalm 1, his delight's in the law of the Lord. Psalm 119, great peace have they that love your law, and nothing shall offend them. And then back to Psalm 1 and verse 3, he says, and he shall be who? The one who delights in the law of the Lord, the one who loves the law of the Lord, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall, shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. See, a believer who chooses to delight 
in the Word of God, in the midst of adversity, will avoid offense. Because if the Word, the Bible says that. That, that if we love His Word, His law, nothing will offend us. Boy, that's a powerful statement. So if we choose to delight in the Word of God, then in the midst of adversity, when we have the, the, the opportunity to, to get hurt, to be offended, and we just choose to delight ourselves in the Lord and delight ourselves in the Word of God, then we will avoid that offense. We will not be offended because we know that regardless of what anybody else, God's got us in His hand and He's going to work everything else. We've got to make that connection today. I'm going to love the Lord and love His Word and nothing, nothing, nothing is going to offend me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen? That's the person that'll be like a tree whose roots go down deep, who receives spiritual nourishment. See, you will be mature to the point where adversity will be a catalyst for your fruit bearing. You'll be like a tree planted and, 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 and continue to bear fruit even in adverse times. But listen, here's where we want to get to right here. Notice there, there are those that have a shallow root system. Are you, are you following me? Jesus gave it in the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, verse 16. And he's talked about those that receive the seed on stony ground. And he said, These are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Oh, Brother Rick's the best message I've heard in my life. Oh, praise God. That was awesome. That was great. Oh, you're the best pastor I've ever sat under. Two weeks later, they're mad at me and gone. <laughs> Look at verse 17. Verse 16 said, They hear the word and receive gladness. Verse 17, And they have no root in themselves, and they so endure but for a time. But after, afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, notice this, immediately they are offended. See, once you leave the place God's chosen for you, your root system begins to dwarf. And the next time it'll be easier to flee from adversity because you're not, you have not rooted yourself deeply. That's where, that's where people become spiritual vagabonds. Wandering. From, that's what a vagabond is. It's somebody that just wanders around. They wander from place to place. Why? Because their root system is shallow and they're not planted and they're not established and they're not rooted. And we're living in a day, ladies and gentlemen, in the day we're living today is the most unstable times within the body of Christ that I have ever seen in my life. You know, used to, years ago, used to, people would, people would be in the church, a, a particular church their whole life. They'd get saved there, they'd get married there, they'd grow up and they'd get buried there. I mean, they'd raise their families there. They would be planted in that church. But today, so many have such shallow root systems because of offense that they're, 
They're wondering. They've become spiritual vagabonds, suspicious and afraid that somebody's going to mistreat them, just waiting for the next offense to come so they can go somewhere else. I'm going to close and let you go home because I can tell you all real excited tonight. I'm going to close with the story of, story of Cain and Abel. You remember the story of Cain and Abel, how that Cain brought an offering from the works of his hands, from the, from the tillage of the ground, and he labored and he worked with much toil, and he brought an offering of vegetables to offer before the Lord. He put a lot of effort into it, but the only problem with that offering was it was his own way, and it wasn't God's way. You know, that was the problem. And um, so, you know, it represented his worship by his own strength and his own ability and not by God's grace. It was a bloodless sacrifice. But Abel came and he offered the flocks of the sheep and uh, a lamb from the flocks. See, Adam and Eve had taught them about the sacrificial uh, system. Adam and Eve had tried to cover their nakedness and cover their, their sin by their own works. They got fig leaves and sewed them together and tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. But God said, that won't work. So God, what did God do? God covered them with some animal skins. Well, he had to kill some animals and shed some blood and take the skins. So that was, there was a sacrifice involved. To, that, 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 that was a type of, of Jesus dying and being covered with his righteousness. But Abel went at it, or Cain went at it the wrong way. Uh, God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but he rejected Cain's sacrifice. And God told Cain, he said, listen, if you would bring the proper sacrifice to me, he said, it would be accepted. But Cain refused to do that. He wanted his own way. He was offended. And so when God told him, you're not accepted, you didn't bring the sacrifice that I require, what happened to Cain? He was immediately offended with the Lord. He got angry because God rejected him and accepted his brother Abel. So rather than repent and do what was right and bring the right sacrifice, Cain went out and took his vengeance and his anger out on his brother and he killed his brother, murdered his brother Abel. And when God, when God, you know, came to him to deal with him about what he had done, you know, he said, where's your brother? And he said, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> and God said... To Cain, he said, so now you are cursed. Here was the punishment of Cain for that. He said, you're cursed from the earth which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Listen, when you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond you shall be on the earth. See, he said the ground. Mm -hmm. What kind of offering did he bring? The vegetables that he had grown out from the ground that had been, that ground had been good to him and his garden had been very, very, very fruitful. 
But because he became offended with the Lord and took it out on his brother and slew his brother, God said, now the ground will no longer yield its strength to you. In other words, fruit would come only through great effort. Do you know what we see from this? Abel or Cain becoming offended, killing his brother. You don't, you don't, have, to, you don't have to shoot somebody to kill them. You can kill them with your words. You can destroy them with your, with your gossip and with your words. And there's been ministry and churches uh, all through all through the church age that have been destroyed and tore apart just by a poisoned tongue from an offended church member. Are you hearing me? But he said fruit now is going to come through great effort. And here's the point, church. Offended Christians stop their ability to produce fruit in their life. Now stop and think about that for a minute. This was the thing that came upon, upon Cain because of his offense. God said, the, the ground's not going to produce for you anymore like it did before. And when we allow offense in our heart, and we get out of the will of God in our life, we stop the ability. That offense stops the ability for us to be fruitful and productive in the kingdom of God. Just like Cain's field was barren after that, the soil of an offended heart is also barren because it's been poisoned by the bitterness of the soul. See, this is why it's the bait of Satan. God said that Cain would become what? A fugitive and a vagabond. And there are so many spiritual fugitives and vagabonds in our churches today. They have gifts of singing, teaching, preaching, prophecy, all kinds of things that they've been called or gifted to do, but they're not producing in any of those areas because offense has caused them to be unproductive and just go from here and there and here, and there, and they become wanderers and vagabonds, running aimlessly, looking for that perfect church, that perfect church that will receive their gift and will heal their hurt, but they never, ever find it. Why? Because they allowed themselves to get uprooted from where God planted them, and they're looking. For, for the will of God somewhere else. It is. It's sad. It's a sad situation. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Why not to leave a church? Because you're running from a person or a situation. Because someone's trying to get you to go somewhere else. Because of excitement or hype in another church or another movement because of a better job. Well, you come over and teach Sunday school at my church and I'll treat you better. I don't know what to think about pastors that do stuff like that. When it is time to move on, the only two reasons to leave a church, God's calling you to another church, mm -hmm. 
and when to stay in your present church would do more damage than good because of an unwillingness on your part to forgive, compromise, or confront, resulting in strife and bitterness, extreme doctrinal disagreements, or abusive and harsh leadership that cannot be reasoned with. I think I'm a pretty reasonable guy. Some practical tips on leaving the church, and I'll let you go home. Make sure you are not making a rash decision. Don't ever rush. Never blow up and run out the door and say, I'm out of here. That's not being led by the Holy Spirit. Never just up and leave a church. Set up an appointment with the pastor. Explain your situation. Request to have the whole church bless you with a special prayer as you leave. There needs to be a time of closure and goodbye said. This will be the benefit of the whole church. This can be done tastefully even if there is a problem unless the leadership is unwilling. We are all adults and hopefully mature enough to disagree agreeably if a situation ever calls for such. Leave the door open behind you. God may bring you back someday. I always leave the door open for those who've left. Keep a positive attitude about where you're going and don't compare churches. God has made us all different. Enjoy and embrace the newness and the variety that God is bringing to you. I'll print some more of those off. You can get them. But anyway, I just think it's something important that we know about how to operate in the love of God and not be offended. All right? God bless you. God bless you. Let's stand tonight. Just, let's just lift our hands and worship the Lord. I went a little over time tonight. I'm, uh, praise God. Father, we love you with all of our hearts tonight. Thank you for your blessings. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah.